want you to take a look at this verse. We didn't, uh, we didn't read it earlier in the service, so, so let, let's just read it together right now. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. He will save us. I chose this verse on purpose this morning because uh, James Madison actually patterned our government after this verse. He, uh, uh, this verse uh, came to him as they were, as they were uh, trying to decide how to set up the, um, the American government. How to, uh, what do we do now? We're a nation. We've won our independence, but what do we do with it? What do, what do we do now? And so Madison, who was a, a very Christian guy, you can tell by his writings, Madison wrote most of the, uh, uh, the Bill of Rights. He wrote several of the Federalist Papers that the Supreme Court still looks at to, uh, to judge um, the Constitution. So Madison had this verse, and you can see actually our three uh, areas of government in this verse. You can see judge, which uh, the Lord is our judge, which is the judicial branch of government. The, the Lord is our lawgiver, which is the legislative branch of our government. And the Lord is our king, the executive branch of our government, because they were not going to have a king in, our, in, in, in America. So you can see how you can see how Madison used this to form what he saw was three co-equal branches of government and the checks and balances system that we, that we currently have. Now, we have, we have certainly corrupted it over time, but, but this was his original plan. And, and I want you to understand, I want you to look at the last verse there. He will save us. Consider for a minute how much, how much comfort it gave Madison to think that they're putting this government together. We're a nation now. We don't even know what that means, but God will save us. So it gave him great comfort, and you can see that he focused. Madison had a very good understanding of the fact that God is over all governments of all mankind. And so he, he used this verse to build the government that we have now. The Lord is our judge the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. So let's take a look here and kind of study our way through, look at the context first. If you read Isaiah 33, uh, the whole chapter, you get an idea of the context, and the context is a time in Israel when things are really out of whack. You have, uh, you have some people uh, that you, Assyria had all of Israel, and then lost Judah, which is the southern half of Israel, where Jerusalem is and, and beyond. And so Assyria had it, but lost Judah, the southern kingdom, to Babylon. But Babylon hadn't quite gotten control of it yet. And then Egypt is in this mix too, and historians are, are, are kind of uh, on both sides of who, who was Egypt for. Because some of what they did helped Assyria, some of what they did helped Babylon, some of what they did helped Judah stand on its own, and then others of it just helped Egypt. And so you have this massive, confusing time. Who's in charge? Who's, who's in charge? And so Isaiah writes and says, God's in charge. God's in charge. So I want you to, to, to consider, again, 
the, the amazing comfort it would have given the people of Israel to know in this mess of everybody is saying they're in charge, but nobody actually is, God is in charge. God is our, our, our judge. God is our lawgiver. God is our king. He will save us. So now fast forward to the founding fathers. And you've got James Madison working on, on, on setting up this government. As I said earlier, they'd won their independence. They beat a superpower, Britain. They'd won their independence. They're a nation now. Now what? Now what do they do with that? So consider the, the comfort that it would have given the founding fathers that in the midst of all of this turmoil and, and, and okay, we're, we're independent, but what does that mean? And we're a nation, but what does that mean? And how do we go forward from here? For Madison to say, God is our judge and God is our lawgiver and God is our king. He will save us. And now let's look at our situation today. It seems like everybody wants to be in charge today, doesn't it? Seems like everybody that steps up to the mic wants to be in charge. Seems like just the loudest voices are the ones being heard. Here's the message God has for you and I in our world today. God is our judge. God is our lawgiver. God is our king. He will save us. So let's kind of look at, the, look at these one at a time. The Lord is our judge. This means God has decided right and wrong. Now, that means we don't have to. Now, here's the problem. We want to. <laughs> we, we aspire to this position, don't we? We want to be the judge. We want to decide what's right and what's wrong. But God already has decided what is right and what is wrong. So, so life isn't about trying to figure out what's right and wrong. Life is about conforming our lives to the truth of God. And once you conform your life to the truth of God, you just look here to find out what's right and what's wrong. If God says it's right, it's right. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. And there just isn't any gray area. There isn't any fence to sit on. It's right and it's wrong and God, God decides which it is. And so we aspire to this position, but the job is taken. God is our judge. The Lord is our judge, it says. So, so think about what this means as believers. If the Lord is our judge, then we don't need to worry about what mankind thinks, do we? We can live to an audience of one, God. Now, Jesus warned us, if we follow God, there are going to be those that don't like us, that, that fight against what we do. Jesus said that would happen. But we live to an audience of one, God, because the Lord is our judge. So we don't have to worry about what mankind thinks. We live because God is our judge. Now, I said we, we kind of aspire to this position. Um, it, it's because we want to judge. It's really pretty easy to take Scripture and apply it to somebody else, isn't it? 
we can always find somebody to, to apply Scripture to, right? That's not our job. We have this uh, saying in our, in our time, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Your lane is to live to the audience of one, God. We don't judge others. God's the judge. We take that position. We, can, we aspire to this seat, but it's not ours. We, we are to live to the, to the audience of God, not be judgmental. I was talking to somebody uh, this week about Scripture. And you know, some people, some people look at the Bible and all they see is judgment. When I look at the Bible, all I see is love and grace and acceptance. We want to be accepted more than anything else. Accept me for who I am. That's what everyone wants. That's what mankind wants. Accept me for who I am. God does exactly that in Christ. He judges our sin on Jesus and then accepts us for who we are, where we are. We are accepted. God is our judge. It's not our job. Stay in your lane. And your lane is living to, the, to an audience of one. The Lord is our lawgiver. It kind of makes sense that since God is the judge, he's also the lawmaker. Now, in our system, we have to have those separate. Because mankind will naturally try and grab the power of both. We see that in our government today, don't we? We see that the power struggle is between who's judge and who gives the laws. And so we, we can understand how this gets corrupted in, our, in mankind because that's our natural bent. God is the perfect lawgiver because he's the perfect judge. He gives the perfect law and then judges that law perfectly. So, so God's the, the judge and God is the lawgiver. Now, we aspire to the position of lawgiver too, don't we? Because we like, to, we like to decide what the rules are. We like to decide, well, this is what you must do to be saved. Think uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about the, the, Galatian, the church at Galatia and how the, the Judaizers were saying, well, you have to become a Jew before you can become a Christian because we decided. They were being lawgivers. We tended to... to to be lawgivers too. We decide how people ought to dress and how people ought to, ought to talk and how people, we want them to be like us in order to be Christian. God's the lawgiver. God gives the law. We, don't, we aspire to this position, but it's taken. Just like we're not judge, we are also not the lawgiver. The Lord is our king. You can see how each of these have been corrupted by mankind, can't you? You can see even in the government that, that Madison set up based on this verse, you can see the, the corruption of mankind in it. And if there's any one position that we want more than any of the others, it's this one. I want to be king. Right? We even have a saying, if I were king, right? We want to be king. We want to be in charge. Because a king is sovereign over his kingdom. I want to be sovereign over my kingdom. 
That's our attitude. We aspire to this position, and it's taken. God is king. God is king. We're not. And so God is in charge. We want to be in charge. We aspire to this, this, to be in charge, to be sovereign, and we are not. God is king. We need, to, we need to let go and let God be God. We need to let go and let God be king. This is actually good news. Now, I, don't, I know it doesn't sound like it at first, but it's actually good news because it means you don't have to get up every morning and pedal to get the, the world to turn. It'll turn. Let God be God. Let God be king. We don't have to get up every morning and push at the wheel to get to get the world to, to revolve another day. God's job. Stay in your lane. <laughs> God is king. We're not. And then the greatest, the greatest of these messages in here, he will save us. Think about how, how much comfort this would have given Israel in this time where Assyria and Babylon and Egypt are all trying to fight for the same territory. And Judah's trying to stand on its own and can't. And, and think of, think of the, the comfort it would be to, to hear, he will save us. Fast forward again to those founding fathers. Think of, they're, they're setting up this government. It's never been tried before. There's nothing like it anywhere else in the world. And we're going to try this, this experiment in democracy that's now 244 years old. God will save us. He will save us. Think about today. Our world is a mess. We have pandemic and, and, and civil unrest. And we have riots and looting and, and hatred. And, and we have all of this mess. And we have so many people stepping up to the mic and saying they're in charge, but not really being in charge. We have, we have every, all of the mess that Israel had with Assyria and Babylon and Egypt, we had all, have all of the mess that, that the founding fathers had when they set this country up and weren't sure of what's next. We're not sure of what's next, but this we can be sure of. He will save us. It's promised right here. He will save us. You know, we can actually... We can actually see all of these in the New Testament in Christ, can't we? Who, who is the judge of sin in the New Testament? Christ. Who is the king of kings in the New Testament? Christ. Who reinterprets the law in the Sermon on the Mount? Christ. Who is it that saved us? Christ. Christ. We can see that Christ completely fulfills this. Now, I know <clears throat> we, we may not outright say, I want to be my own savior, but we aspire to this position as well because we try to save ourselves. We try by, by doing all the right things, right? I'm going to do enough good stuff to make God like me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study hard enough to make God like me. God loves you, not because you study, not because you do good things. God loves you because of who you are. He sent Christ to die in your place because of who you are, because you are special 
to him. So we don't, we don't need to try and be our own savior because we have a savior in Jesus Christ. So in Christ, our, our sin is paid for, judged, and paid for. In Christ, the law has been perfectly fulfilled. In Christ, our attempt to be king, our attempt at sovereignty is surrendered to the king of kings. In Christ, we are saved. See, Christ perfectly fulfills this verse. Perfectly fulfills this verse. And this is great news for us for our time. He is our judge. He is our lawgiver. He is our king. He will save us. I ask that you bow your heads for a moment. Because I need to ask, I need to make sure that is Christ your judge? Is Christ your lawgiver? Is Christ your king? Has Christ saved you? He can. It's a simple prayer this morning. Just follow along with me in your own words. First, we acknowledge that we have sin in our lives. God, I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. I've done things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus paid the price for my sin, that he died on that cross in my place. So my sin is judged. The law is fulfilled. And Christ can now be my king. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Maybe this morning you know Christ. But as you look over the last week or two, you've you've been winding yourself up about what's next. Will you right now surrender and let God be God? Will you right now surrender and let God be judge? God be lawgiver? God be king? And God be Savior? Father, we thank you for this verse. It was written in tumultuous times. And it's been used in tumultuous times since. And that's where we find ourselves today. Father, we look to you. Save us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.